It's often a bit mystifying how brands magically go viral overnight. Sometimes they make it big, and other times they crash and burn. Is the road to brand fame and a bump to the bottom line worth the risk? I'm Alexis. And I'm Melissa. And we're just a little obsessed with these marketing moments. So join us as we break down the craziest brand stunts, from how the idea sparked to how the heck they pulled it off. Or didn't, and of course, will it stick? Hey. Good morning. Good morning. What's shaking? I'm feeling fresh. (laughs) (laughs) How'd you get that fresh feeling so early this morning? Because I was at hot yoga at 5.30 in the morning and sweat everything out. And so now I'm fresh and clean and light. I should have worked out this morning. I totally hit snooze. So that's my bad. Yeah. I was regretting it from minute one when I was in there. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? I'm going to die. What's the draw to hot yoga? Like, I I like spin. I like strength classes. I like core work. I like Pilates. I like bar. I do not understand hot yoga. Well, I love it because you feel like it's crazy. After you walk out, you're on a crazy high. You're like, you feel light and airy and you feel accomplished, but it is pretty nasty. You're in there with like all these half naked or naked people sweating. And this morning, this guy kept putting his leg up and when he would put it down, he'd flick sweat on Sarah and she was like so freaked out. (laughs) But I think the men go there for the women because I feel like there's so many hot bodies that they're just like... Yeah, you know. Doing I mean, thing. whatever it takes to get people in shape. If they're going for the hot bodies, but they're leaving, like feeling good, and they're working out. So, what are we talking about today? Okay, so I just thought it's well over a year past COVID, and I'm hoping this is like a distant memory very soon. Oh, so I be- forgot. Is COVID still exists? <laughs> so, before it's like too far gone, I wanted to just kind of talk about how did brands react during COVID? Because it was really crazy to watch. Oh, and crazy to be in it with our brands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I think back to like March 2020 through now, it really felt like like the slowest, most painful year of my life. But then at the same time, it was crazy productive and it made me like get into this whole new headspace and focus and like, I don't know, it motivated me big time. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like we were really lucky. I hate when we use the word lucky because I don't think we were lucky. I think we We, like fucking worked our asses off. Yeah, I was going to say we worked our ass off and I, for our clients, our whole team busted their butt and we were just like on go mode. I remember we sat down and we looked at each other. We're like, no matter what happens, we're not getting rid of anyone and we're going to crank. Yep. Oh, there's a dog barking. Can you hear it? (laughs) Sorry, we have dogs in our office. I actually should have brought you. We made homemade dog treats this weekend. Oh, yeah. Bring them. (laughs) Just fancy Melissa over there making (laughs) homemade dog treats with your spare time. Yeah, I I don't even know how that happened. (laughs) Welcome to my life. Okay. Um, So back to the brands. So like from a brand perspective, things got super interesting. Like we talked, like we said, for us, alone, you know, we represent clients in a ton of spaces. We saw an immediate revenue loss of like, I think it was like a half a million dollars pretty quickly, which totally sucked, but it motivated us like we just talked about. But there were brands who legit like went out of business overnight. Yeah. That's got to be a horrible feeling after putting like 
your heart and soul into building something and a lot of your money, maybe all your money. Yeah, I mean, I had a friend that he went from killing it to overnight, he was in the event business, had to lay off his whole staff. I mean, he was just devastated. Yeah, totally. Well, all of these companies in every industry, like we're suddenly faced with making judgment calls really quickly right when the pandemic hit. Many had already pre-budgeted and committed to like millions in ads. And those campaigns just weren't going to resonate anymore. If anything, they were going to, like, piss people off, likely. Yeah. Right? Like, if you represented anything that was taboo during the pandemic, you could quickly be seen as a tone-deaf brand. So what do they do? Do they scrap the campaign, take the hit on the millions of media, the millions invested in the campaign, and just go dark? Do they run it anyways? Do they create a brand new campaign? Like, there, it was a conundrum. Yeah. There is a lot of data to support the idea that, like, the best marketers should actually up their budgets rather than cutting them in a recessionary period. But it's really hard in the moment, I think, for a brand to do that when they're looking down the line at this uncertain future and they're already losing money. Like, how can they confidently go forward spending all that in advertising? But it's the brands that are risk takers. Because think about, I mean, our clients said the same thing and we said, put your money in digital. Mm -hmm. Like, how many people were on their phone nonstop during the pandemic? Oh, yeah. Screen time was up. I mean, I I don't even know the stat, but it was crazy. Yeah, totally. And you're right. So there was a really good Time Magazine article that I read from um, April 2020 that said on March 11th, which is like the official date that like the U.S. was like, holy shit, we're in the pandemic. As the crisis barreled toward official pandemic status, the first things all brands had to immediately do was take a close look at their existing campaigns through the lens of this like new normal. Um, So when that happened, KFC pulled down a spot that showed people like, eating and licking their fingers, like, <laughs> really in, like, a sexy way. Although, I don't know how you can, like... Eat like, fried chicken yeah, in a sexy, sexy way. way. But they did. And instead, they started promoting ads with contactless delivery. Like, obviously, that made sense. Hotels.com originally had a campaign running that featured the company's mascot, Captain Obvious, riding in an airplane with his arm, like, rubbing up against another passenger. And he was, like, dipping his hands in the passenger's, like, snack and, like, sharing snacks. And obviously, that was a (laughs) no-no. So they quickly canned it and put together a new spot where Captain Obvious is still snacking, but he first uses hand sanitizer before enjoying his own bag of popcorn in silence and isolation. And the screen just read, this is Captain Obvious. He's going to be social distancing for a while, and you should too. They all just, I mean, the big brands, the smart big brands adapted and changed. We started seeing ads come out quickly. And as the Wall Street Journal put it in an article in April 2020, the most common elements of coronavirus advertising are super familiar right now. Piano music, images of empty streets, voiceovers that invoke those uncertain times, and companies promising to be there for consumers. So depressing. And it was the same thing over and over again. Every brand felt like they had to jump into the conversation and reassure they were there for their customers. And they were being safe and Yeah. The first few ads that I saw that were done well in that theme made me tear up and they were emotional. Yeah. But by like ad 10, I was- Where's the party? Come on, people. (laughs) Like, can we change it up? We can still have a campaign within reason of what's expected. But like, we don't have to be saying the same shit. Couldn't fried chicken people just be on their couch alone eating fried chicken (laughs) sexily? Sexily. Is that a word? Sexily. So one company called Nurture Digital Inc., it's a digital video agency, came up with a hilarious idea that I just 
loved. <laughs> they wanted to do a spoof on all of these like COVID-19 themed brand ads. So the creative director, Nick Lang, said that he did a search in his inbox for the phrase uncertain times, and he got more than 50 results. Like this was like <laughs> early in the pandemic, like day one or two. He said that it felt like these companies just saw this pandemic as an opportunity to start a conversation or gain awareness by acting concerned. So he and some of his colleagues created a hilarious ad for a fictional browser extension called the Uncertain Times Browser Extension. And this would automatically modify outgoing marketing emails to include phrases like uncertain times to show that your company was sensitive to the times in order to maximize sales. Oh my God. So like you'd put your marketing email in, like the copy you'd hit generate, and then it would like add all the appropriate like COVID words that all of the brands are saying to make it seem like you really care. Oh my God. And it was fake, but it was like, they did a whole video spoof on YouTube and it went viral and it was cool. Brilliant. Another spoof ad that was created by this New York City copywriter, Samantha Goloso, she wrote, things are pretty crazy right now. Maybe you're a little scared. We are too. Scared of losing sales. (laughs) Oh God, just be honest. (laughs) Be honest. So she was quoted saying that it felt like there was this like tragedy template that these brands were following. So for this episode, I thought we would try to like wrap up COVID-19 marketing by taking a deep dive into the brands that adjusted their marketing efforts to win big during the pandemic. And of course, to also talk about those who failed miserably. <laughs> cool? Cool. So the first one. Oh, I have an idea. Let's make this a game. Shocking, right? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm like all about the gamification of this podcast, apparently. <laughs> so I'm going to say a brand and you're going to say... Good okay. or bad? Or okay. like yay or nay? What do you want to say? Um, Fail, win? Yay or nay. Okay. I like it. Perfect. Shouldn't you tell me what the ad is first before I yay or nay? Nope. You have to guess if the brand, like just knowing the brand, if they failed or won during COVID. Okay. This is our perception of yay or nay because we don't have all the facts yet. Okay? okay. Reminder. So realtor.com, yay or nay? Yay. Okay. Let's see if you're right. So in April 2020, Realtor.com launched what they called a manifesto. Like manifesto. Like a manifesto. Yeah. 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 Everyone just makes up their own words now. <laughs> I mean, it's cute. And they ran it as part of a huge print advertising campaign. So you may be familiar with Realtor.com's like normal ad campaigns, which are quite funny and not very serious. My favorite campaign by them was one they launched in 2015 and they've been using for years. And it features Elizabeth Banks, who's the actress from, like, Pitch Perfect and Hunger Games, like, cute blonde. Um, cute. Yeah. She's adorable. She's in a series of commercials for them, and they're all cheeky and just, like, fun. But this pandemic campaign showed a whole new side of the brand. So the print ad campaign read sort of like a poem, and it detailed the importance of our homes as the center stage in most lives due to these stay-at-home orders. Um, The campaign, like, was not meant to be funny at all. It was serious and beautiful, and it focused on ordinary homeowners and, like, the emotional aspects of what a home, like, really means to people. Yeah. It ran in print editions of the Wall Street Journal and big publications in key markets like Los Angeles Times, Austin American Statesman, and San Jose Mercury News. So I want to show you a picture of this ad real quick. Okay. Okay, what do you think of the ad, Lex? That's the ad? Yeah. It's just copy? It's just copy. Oh, man, I should have made it. Uh, but it's like a poem. And think about the times and think about, like, the purpose. Like, what is it? I mean, the poem's cute, but 
I mean, I don't know about everyone else out there. I like pictures. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a lot of words for me. It is. It's a lot of words. It's, but it's very simple and it's so different than anything that Realtor.com had ever done. It's like a gray background. It does gray even, on, on newsprint. I know. That's even weirder. Yeah. Super interesting. So as a follow-up to the print campaign, it launched a 45-second stay home, like hashtag stay home spot, which is honestly a beautiful ad. It features sequence after sequence of people teaching their kids, working out, cooking dinner, chasing toddlers, and like schools, gyms, restaurants, and daycares obviously are gone and everything's happening under your roof, right? Like you're the school, you're the daycare, you're the, the restaurant, like you're the home gym, you're everything. Why are you reminding me of this? <laughs> that was misery. <laughs> so the commercial concludes that like home is a safe haven, a shelter and a place to weather a storm. And so according to Vidi Shaw, the creative director of the ad agency, Huge, that's the name of the agency, who created the campaign, the ad like cleverly uses only stock footage and custom music. And it actually looks amazing considering because they couldn't film anything, yeah. right? They recreated this intricate mix of emotions that we were all experiencing at the time. It was despair, loneliness, comfort, and hope. And they pulled the whole ad campaign together in one week, which is crazy. because I they mean, had- that's what we all had to do. It was mm-hmm. like, you can't survive unless you do it now. Like, you cannot miss I think the brands that took forever, it was like way too late for them to jump on the COVID bandwagon. Yeah. And then part of the campaign, which I really liked, was that both the print ads and the commercials highlight how Realtor.com is donating $100,000 to Feeding America to help people who are the most in need during this crisis. So even though the ads weren't like beautifully designed, I think they kept it super simple on purpose. Yeah. I thought they did a really good job. We'll definitely put, you know, link to the ads and everything and and the video because it is pretty inspiring. And I'm sure it'll remind you that you saw it sometime during the pandemic, you know, like. No, I remember seeing it. Yeah. I think, again, like you said, all these brands came out with all these heartfelt messages and it was great in the beginning. And then closer to summer, I was like, all right already. Like we're over it. Totally. Yeah. I I 100% agree. So. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. And when you attach a cause to this kind of campaign, like they're giving money to a cause that makes sense. Yeah. It also rounded out the entire campaign. It was more cause marketing than like straight advertising. Okay. So I say yay on that one too. So I agree with you. Even though you... I say yay on the concept, nay on the creative. Perfect. For the ad. For the ad. Totally. Okay. Next one. State of New York. Oh, nay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Good. Do you already know what this one is? No, but I just know they were a disaster. (laughs) Okay. So before I start this one, I just want to say for the record that my impression of this campaign and my interpretation has nothing to do how I feel about mask wearing, okay? I wore a mask. I was fine with it. I follow the rules, okay? Just want to put that. And let's guess what Alexis does. She does not follow the rules. But you did a good job during the pandemic. You did. Yeah, I keep it right on my ear. I actually like wearing it in weird, like, places where I'm too close to people. I don't know. Some of the things, like concerts, I'm, I'm glad. I hope we, like, have space now. Yeah, I know. Me too. That would be amazing. I hate being in giant crowds. So in September 2020, Governor Andrew Cuomo and the state of New York were going all out with the mask wearing push, right? So the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, otherwise known as the MTA, if you're cool in the know in New York City, they started enforcing a $50 fine on New Yorkers who were refusing to wear a mask while riding on public transport. So to really drive the campaign home, the state of New York called on one of my personal favorite actors, Paul Rudd. 
Oh, yes. I have, like, a major crush on him. I mean, similar to the Ryan Reynolds crush. Like, they're, it's kind of, like, neck and neck. You, we haven't talked about Adam Levine. He's oh, out. He's my third. No, he's my third. Okay, let's okay, move, on. move on. So, Paul Rudd. Oh, did you ever see Wet Hot American Summer? No. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So, he was in the original movie from, like, the early 2000s. You Actually, it has Elizabeth Banks in it, too. That's so funny. Oh, let's watch it. And then Netflix rebooted it like a couple years ago and it wasn't, it was like a series and it wasn't quite as good as the original movie, but you have to watch it. Okay. It's so good. Okay. So back to the campaign. The video that was the result of this partnership was like, I guess the best way to describe it is weird and ultra cringy. Okay. Okay. Cringy. That's interesting. Yeah. So the premise of the video is that Paul Rudd pretends to be a 26-year-old punk. That's the best way I can describe okay. it. Okay. He starts out by saying, Yo, what up, dogs? Paul Rudd here, actor and certified young person. <laughs> he claims that he was talking on his iPhone to his homie, Governor Cuomo, who was going off about how us millennials need to wear our masks because apparently a lot of COVID is transmitted by us millennials. Real quick, I just want to put it on the record that we are both old millennials. Yeah. We're like the oldest millennials that exist. Actually, there's, I think it starts in 1981. So you're the second oldest. I'm the third oldest. (laughs) (laughs) Just to put it out there, okay? So he claims that Cuomo said to him, Paul, what are you, like 26? Despite Paul Rudd actually being 51. He's 51? I know. He looks really good for 51, yeah. So Paul's wearing a yellow sweatsuit with headphones, and he says things that like, masks are totally beast. And he urges viewers to wear their masks so that they continue to go to bars, drink, hook up, and do our TikToks. <laughs> Yo, what up, dogs? Paul Rudd here, actor and certified young person. A few days ago, I was talking on the iPhone with my homie, Governor Cuomo, and he's just going off about how us millennials need to wear masks. Because, get this, apparently a lot of COVID is transmitted by us millennials. No cap. So Cuomo's asked me, he's like, Paul, you gotta help. What are you, like 26? And I didn't correct him. So fam, let's real talk. Masks, they're totally beast. So slide that into your DMs and twitch it. Vibe check. Yes, queens like ourselves. We wanna go to bars, we wanna drink, hook up, do our TikToks. I get it. I'm not gonna preach at you like some celebrity. This is a combo where I talk and you shut up and wear your mask. Hello? Oh, hi, Billie Eilish. What's that? You're wearing your mask? Man, I want to stand you. You're so my bae. So it starts out like with the possibility of being funny. Okay. Mostly because, in my opinion, Paul Rudd has like amazing delivery. Oh, yeah. Like he's just so naturally comedic and so good. But what, wasn't he first in Clueless? That's when we first... He yeah. was the brother. He was in Clueless, but I don't know if that was his first thing because, but yeah. He but was, that's where, like, That's we where we all fell in love, love with him, yeah. for sure. Okay. The message totally misses the mark when it comes down to everything, and it's more offensive than anything. It ends up coming off as patronizing, and it paradoxically, like, targets – that was a hard word to say. It paradoxically targets millennials <laughs> while seemingly making fun of, like, Gen Z. It's, like, confusing the two. Yeah. And you know what I say to that? Okay, boomer. That's what I say. I mean, if we're going to run with stereotypes, it seems like we would expect something like that from like a bunch of boomers sitting in a room, like deciding this is a good idea without consulting like a single fucking millennial. Yeah. 
Well, it's because everyone makes fun of millennials. From there, oh, wait, this is crazy too, and really not good for the campaign. Many sources call out that much of the slang that Paul Rudd uses to pretend to be like a young person is actually black slang, and it demonstrates a tendency for black culture to be appropriated and redefined as internet culture, which... Not good. Is not good. I mean, yeah. you you have to look into all the possibilities when you're creating a campaign, especially something that's supposed to be attached to humor and make fun of a generation. Or, and especially you know, the time. Yeah. Come on. But like we know, everyone has their opinion and yeah. no one can be happy with everything. No, totally. So... The video then proceeds to like go super weird and kind of dark when Paul's beatboxing, which I didn't mention he was beatboxing throughout the whole thing, like <laughs> literally holding a boombox on his shoulder, which is confusing to me as well. Like what year was this? Oh my God. <laughs> it was like a giant boombox. Okay. It segues into like what seems like honest frustration. He just starts yelling at the camera. Like looking at the camera, it's like he's out of character now and he's just Paul Rudd and he's yelling to wear a mask. He's like, it's fucking easy. It's not that hard. Just fucking do it. And then it suddenly, like, ends on a lighter note, and it shows Paul wearing a dirty stained mask and proceeding to eat chicken wings with Hot Ones host Sean Evans with his mask on. What? And apparently, like, this is a nod to the first We Feast interview that originally went viral with Rudd, like, back in 19, but it was lost on me. I did. I had to look it up. Yeah. Cuomo said the reason for the campaign was that he was extremely frustrated with younger people who only want to party and drink. He wanted to find a way to get through to them, and he convinced Paul Rudd to help when he told him, you're funny. I think humor might do it. I've tried everything. I've begged. I've pleaded. I've threatened. I don't know what else to do. But making fun of... Millennials or Gen Z, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I agree. Especially when you're confusing the two who are, like, have very different characteristics, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's odd. So while many people thought it was a total fail and that the message missed the mark, I mean, it was there was talk all over Twitter, all over the internet, it apparently did get 9 million views in 24 hours. So I guess that was enough of a win for the state of New York. Well, because people were shocked at it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Okay. So we'll say nay in our opinion on that one. Yeah. Yep. Why originally nayed? Okay. Dove. Yay or nay? Oh, I, I mean, I'm always impressed with their campaign, so I will say yay. Okay. So Dove is very well known for their real beauty campaigns. Like you already know. I think you've mentioned this to me so many times. Like you you really do love that campaign. Yeah. It started in 04 when they worked with their firm Ogilvy & Mather to create the Dove Real Beauty Campaign. And this campaign featured real women with their real flaws. And us actual people have real flaws, yeah, right? We, not everything needs a filter. <laughs> We're not an airbrushed model, no. And that's okay, and that's how it should be. So I love that their campaigns focus on the real beauty that actual people have, right? Yeah. So their goal with this campaign was to make women feel comfortable in their skin that they're in, to create a world where beauty is a source of confidence and not anxiety. So the idea came from research that illustrated that only 2% of women consider themselves beautiful. How depressing is that? That is depressing. 
It's, yeah. it's like in this world when, that we live in, like with comparison and social media, I can see how that yeah. might be no, a truth, but it's truly sad to me. And this campaign crushed it, that initial campaign they did. I mean, from 04 on, it was named one of the top five campaigns of the century. Well, you know, they're really the pioneers of like real women, real people. Because if you look in like Athleta and Target, it's like, it's not the perfect body. It's not the perfect face anymore. It's like they're showing every body type, every look. It's really cool. So I feel like they started a big trend. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, that's, it is true because they, again, like were named top five campaign of the century by ad age and they increased sales with that campaign from 2 billion to 4 billion in three years. Like, wow. Billion with a B. Billion with a B. Yeah. So COVID happens and Dove's like, shit, what are we going to do? Because that campaign feels a little just like maybe generic generic well i don't know if it was generic but like it wasn't exactly on message to be focused on beauty whether real beauty or not it wasn't so they were like how can we really bring this to life and make it relevant in the moment so they decide to put a new face on their real beauty campaign through a campaign called courage is beautiful so the campaign focused on faces of healthcare workers marked by their protective gear that they were wearing for those super long shifts when they were fighting coronavirus. So the idea for this campaign actually came from WPP's Ogilvy Canada office when the team who works on the Dove account saw the, these like stunning and heart-wrenching photographs that were taken by Italian photographer Alberto, how do I say it, Alexis? Giuliani. Giuliani, thank you. So they immediately recognized that the courage they saw in these photos was so beautiful. And that was really all the inspiration they needed to launch the campaign. So the idea was to show, you know, people who were on the front lines and ask consumers to join in in thanking these people who are risking their lives. According to the professionals who created the campaign, they produced these spots and these ads in just like four or five days. And it was truly like the fastest campaign they ever created. Can you look at the picture and tell me what you think about it? Yes. I think it's awesome. Yeah. This woman who has no makeup showing her freckles and like she has the the red spot on her nose and like the lines from the mask mm-hmm. and she just looks exhausted. Yeah. And she's not smiling. I mean, no. you can't see her mouth, but you can see from her eyes that she's not smiling. Yeah. She just looks serious and tired and it says... Courage is beautiful over her face with the Dove logo. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, I do too. So the campaign started in Canada and then was followed by a U.S. version that featured more like photos of U.S. healthcare workers. And then, of course, the ads were customized for other countries. In the U.S., the ads featured a call out about Dove's donation to direct relief to care for healthcare workers in the U.S., So parent company Unilever made a global commitment of about $100 million in supplies and cash. They also donated 200,000 masks in New Jersey, and they chose May 21st as their national day of service, in which they donated all essential items made in Unilever factories on that one day to relief efforts. Nice. Isn't that so cool? That's so awesome. I mean, that had to be so much stuff. Yeah. So all in all, they donated like millions to the cause. And in my humble opinion, that was the perfect thing for them to do. I mean, they're a giant in the industry. And I think they led the path. Like they really were one of the leaders in this cause marketing for COVID. I Um, say yay. 
I say yay. But the other cool thing is, at the same time this was happening, like in the background, Dove had had this campaign going prior to the pandemic, like all about self-esteem and real beauty. But they smartly realized, like come March, that these topics just felt like a little superficial given the landscape. So instead of like crushing it, they made it relevant for the current situation. And actually, they consider themselves to be the largest global provider of self-esteem education. Oh, that's Isn't that cool. Interesting, yeah. So instead of giving up the concepts, they adapted them. Like I said, they had planned on creating these self-esteem workshops for teens in schools, but they pivoted to create like at-home use. So according to the Dove website, the revised program helps parents, caregivers, and guardians support young people's mental well-being at home while schools are closed. They offer free online tools and resources, and they launched a four-episode series on social media that was hosted by body-positive influencers. So each episode like, was developed with body image experts to just ensure that they truly would get the message right yeah. and have a positive impact. So like episode one was about well-being at home. Episode two was using social media wisely, which all the kids need to learn. So interesting. Like I love that, and it's so fascinating, but... How do you, again, just being with my 17-year-old teenage sister last weekend, anything you tell them, teenagers think that they're right. Like, how do you get them to watch that and realize it? Like, you can tell them everything that you believe and what's right and what's wrong, but, like, getting them to sit in front of those, like, I'm so curious of the audience type. Like, was it parents or was it actually teens or, Yeah. I have a feeling that a lot of these programs start with, like, preteens because I think kids are still listening to their parents and, like, teachers and stuff at, you know, age 10 through 13, 14, maybe. Yeah. I think middle school is when it all goes to shit. See, I was backwards. I was horrible at thir- 12 and 13, and then I matured and loved my parents when I was in high school. My parents were cool, so. Your mom worked at Disney. Like, what the fuck? How Your life is like a fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> Or we think. (laughs) I was actually talking to Lindsay last night, and she was commenting on the episode where we talk about who you went to homecoming with, and she was like, what the fuck? I was obsessed with Zachary Ty Bryan and Andrew Keegan. How did I not know this? (laughs) I didn't ever told it? No. Oh, my God. Yeah. So now everyone's going to ask you about that, and they're all going to want introductions. Okay. (laughs) Zach Ty Bryan on Instagram. (laughs) Okay. You're like, that's my intro. Okay. um, Back to Dev real quick. So... That campaign was really cool, and I love how they adapted it, right? Like, to still be relevant in the moment. And that self-care message and, like, body image, body positivity, and just, like, mental health message was so important for kids and teens. We have a friend whose daughter, at age 15 or 16, attempted suicide during the pandemic, and they had no indication, no clue, because everything seemed fine, right? Yeah. I just got the chills. I know. And it's so scary because... You don't know what's going on in teenagers' heads. So anything that can help, just remind them that, like, this is a hard time. We'll get through it. Like, here's some tips to stay okay, I think is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, so you said originally they wanted to do it in schools. I wonder if they'll relaunch it. Because I think that's, like, sex ed, they teach in schools, stupid. They need, like, self-esteem. They need all these, like, I don't know, different, like, morale boosters in school. I still think they need sex ed, though, because if you think about... (laughs) This is another bad example, but Bridgerton, when, like, that chick got married and she didn't even know what sex was and she came back, like, yelling at her mom. That was, like, in the 1900s, 1800s. But you look on Instagram and 
like type in sex and you can find out what it is. But think about all the like misinformation. Like if there's a lot of our friends who are so embarrassed to say the word vagina and penis to their kids. I know you hate when I say those actual words. But like if you can't talk with your kids openly about sex, like if they're just Googling it and figuring it out, like they're going to find the wrong things. Oh my God. You need education. I hope Holly Frame is listening here because she is a high school biology teacher. And one time I was at her house and I saw this wooden penis and I was like, what the fuck is that? And she's like, Alexis, I have to put a condom on this in front of my whole class. And she's like hot I know. I'm like, oh my God. I was mortified. And I had like a visual of all the like teenage (laughs) boys just like dreaming of her doing this. I could never do that. I'd quit my job. That would just send you. <laughs> There's no way you are way too embarrassed to do any of that stuff. No. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Well, moving back to Dove. Okay. So finally, um, Dove also rolled out a campaign created by another big agency partner, Edelman, as part of a partnership with the UK government to encourage hand washing. So they spent fifty million dollars globally on this campaign to teach people how to wash their hands properly. Brilliant. My children are three boys and never, they would go to the bathroom and never wash their hands. Now they're obsessed. Whatever, whoever made that campaign, smart. But it's crazy to me that they had to spend $50 million to educate people. I get it. And I'm so happy that like we're almost through this pandemic and that people started washing their hands. But like too bad they couldn't give that $50 million to like feed hungry kids. It's just like a little bit sad to me. Yeah. I okay. get it. But it could have saved lots of lives by teaching no, true. people it how to wash did. their hands. It probably did. But the other cool part of that campaign is they said, like, we don't care what soap you use. We just care that you care, which I thought was cool. really cool. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, all in all, Dove invested a ton of money globally, and they created a beautiful campaign that honored the frontline workers who deserve all the honoring. Um, and I think the brand deserves all the credit in the world for this. Agree. Like, they're a great leader, and I think we should all follow that example. And, you know, I'm obsessed with Ogilvy. I wanted to work oh, there. Know. Yeah, they do. I cool did get offered a job for like twenty thousand dollars. I couldn't even put gas in my car <laughs> in California. In California, oh my gosh, it was like my dream. And then I got the offer, and I was like, "What? Twenty thousand dollars?" My first job, I made twenty three thousand dollars a year, but that was in Phoenix, so I feel like but the it's cost relative. And you have to different. drive seventeen hours on the freeway. That's true. I would never do that. Yeah, there's no way. Okay, next campaign: suit supply, yay or nay. Well, I had a little peek at the ad, so (laughs) I will say yay. Oh, okay. (laughs) I did not think you were going to say yay. So I know we are all so ready for post-pandemic life, and, like, it's slowly happening, right? Like, we're pumped. We're ready. We're Let's get this show on the road, right? Yeah. Okay. So Suit Supply, a men's fashion (laughs) brand— I you just, just keep can't... looking at it. It's like so <laughs> racy. Okay, wait. So a men's fashion brand is already way over COVID, and their brand new campaign is interesting, as you just alluded. So can you describe the ad to everyone? Well, let's just say it's a giant orgy. <laughs> <laughs> the new normal is coming. Is yeah. that a play on words based on the ad? <laughs> I did not even think about that. <gasps> I mean, it's It totally like is. Every... It's like a girl on girl, guy on guy, and in the middle, a girl like licking some guy's face. <laughs> <laughs> you you nailed it. I mean, the ad shows models all piled on top of each other. Some are in suits, some are in underwear, and it's like, or some are naked. The guys are naked. Those they look two, naked. Yeah, they look naked. yeah. 
So, and they're all making out with each other. It actually looks like it is a giant orgy. You nailed it. If you look closely, like, you can actually see spit. Ew! Like, coming out of people's mouths. I mean, they call this campaign the new normal, and it's racy to say the least, right? (laughs) It is everywhere. It's on Suit Supply's website, their social media, it's in ads, and of course, everyone is unmasked, which... I guess makes sense considering it's a giant orgy. I mean, <laughs> well, you can have an orgy with masks on. I'm, That's weird. I'm I mean, not, I'm like not going to have an orgy, but <laughs> I, I was going to say I have zero experience in the orgy field. I'm not sure how a masked orgy like would go over, but mm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. So, Suit Supply says the campaign is to kick off the spring season. So they just launched this. It's brand new. And of course, they have every reason to hope and pray that the new normal is coming. I mean, who the fuck needed a $1,000 suit during the pandemic? Oh, yeah. Nobody. No one. Right? So they're like freaking out over there. They're losing money left and right. It was all sweatpants over suits, right? I don't know. We had some clients that would wear a suit on top, basketball shorts on the bottom. (laughs) That's true. But I don't think they were buying new suits during the pandemic. Okay, so... They really need the business, and they need events to come back, like weddings, big events, formal events, charity, like all the things they need to come back. So Adweek had some really great stats on this. In 2020, total apparel sales dropped 19%, but guess what one apparel category was on the rise? Suits. No. What? In the pandemic. Oh, athleisure wear. Yep. You got it. Athleisure. They actually called it leisure wear. I'm like, fuck that. It's athleisure. Okay. Athleisure. Yeah. That is my proper term for it. So the reviews are mixed. Some people are applauding it. Others are feeling like the brand just isn't really reading the room. You know, like, (laughs) regardless, this campaign did get Suits Supply talked about more than normal. According to Adweek, just hours after the campaign was released, there had already been 500 mentions of Suits Supply compared to 700 mentions normally, like, in a whole week. So in a few hours, they got, like, you know, almost as many as a whole week. Because in America, anything like sex or like nudity is like people freak out. Like if yeah. you, if this was in Europe, it would be not – no one would even recognize it. They'd be like, okay. Yeah, I know, exactly. I don't right? think they would even blink an eye. Yeah. I don't know if Suit Supply – I think they're not just in the U.S., but I'll have to look that up. Those mentions generated 3,700 engagements, which just means like – the number of likes and comments on those original mentions. And that was all measured by Talkwalker. That's a social media listening firm. But I'm not, like, that impressed with those numbers. I was going to say, that's not that huge. I didn't think so either, like, for taking that big of a risk. But I would love to see how their spring and summer season turns out and, like, if that conversation turned into sales. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to watch that closely. I'll come back around to that. You're going to watch the ad closely or? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the... (laughs) Okay. So now I have two honorable mentions, okay? These are like just kind of quicker recaps. Okay. But I just wanted to bring them up because they were cool. Okay. Okay? Emily Crisps. Yay or nay? I don't even know what an Emily Crisp is. I <laughs> figured you would not. So I would say nay because I, whatever advertising they did, I have no clue. So Emily Crisps is a UK-based snack brand, which is why you do not know them. Oh. The brand was so excited because, like, they invested in their very first outdoor campaign back in December 2019. They, like, put all their money together. They were so pumped. They were, like, finally going to make it. And they planned to run the first ads in the early spring around Easter, which would be March 2020. Where no one was outdoor. So <laughs> when the pandemic hit in early March, they were like, shit. I wish I could do an English accent. 
Because I would say it like better. <laughs> I'm not even gonna attempt. We totally should have invested that money in TV ads because like everyone's staying at home. Like who the hell is gonna see our bus shelters, billboards, like outdoor ads, right? Yeah. But they got creative because these Emily Crispers are so freaking smart. What is an Emily Crisp? It sounds like a delicious potato chip and it's apparently at Whole Foods and I'm totally buying it after this, okay. just to let you know. They decided not to throw in the towel and they didn't want to totally scrap their planned campaign, but they had to scrap the creative because it was irrelevant now. Okay. Yeah. So what they did was perfect, in my opinion. They had an ad that said, our first ever poster seen by a runner and one pigeon. Typical. And it had a bag of their like branded chips yeah. and it was like on a side of a bus shelter. Another said, hmm, maybe we should have made a TV ad instead. So, like, they just made fun of themselves on these outdoor ads. Awesome. And apparently Clear Channel did not want this campaign running at first because they were like, shoot, you're basically saying out-of-home media is a waste of money. Yeah. But that's dumb, right? Like, they finally came around and realized, actually, it's this is Clear cute. Channel, you have enough money. Come on. Yeah, you're fine. So they finally gave in. The ads ran. And I loved something the brand's managing director said. His name's Adam Draper. He said in an interview with Marketing Week, sometimes you've got to go online to go offline. Sometimes the stuff you do in the real world then makes people want to see it online. Sometimes you might buy out of home, and that is what gives you the social currency to go to the digital channels and really perform. So nice. it's true. Like yeah. they, they had this opportunity. They could have totally lost it. Instead, they got creative. People started talking. They brought that talk and that campaign online, online. and it blew up from there, right? So they crushed it with their digital follow-up for this outdoor campaign. So like, go them. And like you mentioned, I had never heard of them before, but I'm going to Whole Foods. It's going to be on my charcuterie board tonight. Yeah. It said that they sell them in Whole Foods. So I hope it's Whole Foods here because it said UK-based and they sell in a lot of countries. So okay. I'm going to look. So Emily Crisps, people. Yay. Okay, last one. Heinz, yay or nay? Heinz, yay or nay? Mm, I'll do nay. (laughs) I'm not a ketchup person. I'm a Cholula person. You are. I wonder who owns Cholula. Does Heinz own them? I don't know, but I was really depressed. The Cholula woman is no longer on the packet. And (gasps) no one noticed but me the other day when we had all the packets. I wonder if it... It was because it was a Mexican woman. But she was like so cute. Yeah, I'm gonna say like this. It they all these brands have to be so careful. It's unfortunate, but it's a Mexican I salsa. I yeah. just don't get it. But, anyways, I will say nay because yes, I'm a hot sauce girl versus a ketchup girl. Okay. Well, you know what I started doing during the pandemic, along with millions of other people, drinking ketchup. <laughs> I mean, if you know Melissa, she eats chicken fingers and like ha- raw, like hockey puck hamburgers. Or not no, raw, not raw, not raw, overly cooked hockey puck no, hamburgers. I like them medium, oh. but I like them with no bun and a shit ton of ketchup. So I would not put it past her. Okay, well, no, I did. I did not start drinking. I did not start drinking ketchup in the pandemic. That's just fucking weird. Who does that? But I did start doing puzzles. Like, a lot of puzzles. How does puzzles relate to ketchup? Let me get there. (laughs) Okay. I I need to take a minute. Okay. So, puzzle sales were up 370%, like, in the first month of COVID. For the non-ADD people. Right. (laughs) Like, me and a puzzle do not work. (laughs) I mean, it took a lot of focus for me and a couple margaritas. I mean, I would need, like, three bottles of wine to just, Yeah, I would drink first. Yeah. I would drink during, first and during the puzzle. 
I actually tried to buy puzzles early in the pandemic and every store was sold out, which is crazy. Like puzzle manufacturers were like, this is our moment. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> so Heinz Ketchup got super creative along with a few of its marketing partners. Rethink is the partner that did the creative, Starcom did the media, and the Colony Project did the PR. So they created the slowest puzzle on earth, okay? <laughs> it was an all red puzzle. Like every piece was the same color, made of 570 pieces. So like you couldn't, like it would take you forever to figure out how to put it together because there's no like rhyme or reason there's besides no, like, connecting the lines. Shapes. Yeah. Oh it's my just, God. it's a ketchup red Oh my color, God. Okay. So it was meant to help fill your downtime while you're staying at home. The puzzles were given away in Canada through like a social media contest where 57 winners, Heinz 57, were selected. And the puzzles were also given out in 16 other countries too. The senior brand manager, his name's Brian Newman at Kraft Heinz Canada, said that Heinz embraces slow as one of its brand attributes with the slow pour, you know, like, oh, yeah, like you got to hit the fucking bottle to <laughs> yeah. get the ketchup and then like, and then all of a sudden it barrels out and you're like, ugh. I don't have the slow pour. I have that squirter one. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Your kids would not be patient with the slow pour. So, no. and they just wanted to make a playful statement that connected that like cultural trend to its ketchup. And I freaking love it. Smart. I thought it was so good. Yes. Like what a cute idea and very inexpensive to produce a one color puzzle. Yeah. They should have actually sold that on their website for like so cheap just to get people's information and collect info. Yeah. Also, I read that Heinz, I didn't include the, the details, but they started an at-home like ordering system. So a lot of brands like Heinz were like, you would only ever go to the grocery store to buy it realized during the pandemic, this is their chance to go direct to consumer. Like, when would you think to go to Heinz website to buy ketchup? ketchup? But they started doing that and doing free delivery for healthcare workers too. Oh, smart. Random. Like, who would think of that? I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Because you would order like 10 bottles of ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I like ketchup, but not that much. Well, maybe in the pandemic, like, I mean, everything. I just looked at those pictures the other day where nothing was on the shelves. I know. Like, it was like limit one toilet paper roll. It was so crazy. I remember when I'd had people at my house, I'd make them bring a bottle of wine and toilet paper. <laughs> they were your neighbors that you were quarantining with, just to be clear. Oh yeah. In the beginning, like you had your little cul-de-sac of quarantine. And my mom. And your mom, yeah. That's all I have. What'd you think of any like overall thoughts? Fun. I love those campaigns. Yeah. Some are a little wacky, but there's so like there are hundreds of examples of the good and the bad, you know, I think most of the brands did a good job. I think we have to cut on some slack too, given this was a hard freaking yeah. time to I figure I mean, I think out. it was so hard for brands because they had one person that was probably making one recommendation and the others freaked out to, you know, be bold or be safe. And, it's and like, then the owners or the C-level people were like, we have to save money. We're not doing anything. I you mean, know? anything was really a crapshoot. Yeah. I agree. It was all unexpected. Except so, for the Paul Rudd thing. I don't know. Paul, maybe that was a bad decision. Yeah. I, it, was, it was interesting. I want to shout out a few of my sources real quick. Time Magazine's article by Katie Steinmetz titled, Brands are really going to be judged. Companies are walking a tightrope during the COVID-19 pandemic was really good. I loved the Ad Age article about Suit Supplies orgy campaign. <laughs> it was published on March 4th, 2021 by Adrian Pascarelli. And then Marketing Week's article about Emily Crisp's outdoor advertising campaign lockdown by Emily Hammett in April 2020. So I'll link those and all the rest of my sources in our show notes. 
Awesome. Well, if you haven't already, please go to applepodcast.com. And well, there's not really a .com. Oh, well, Apple. <laughs> Apple podcast on your phone and hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review or if Spotify is your jam, follow us there. Yep. And we hope that you enjoyed listening and we hope you'll follow us on social media and maybe go to our website and stay tuned for the orgy pics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Keep those for future reference. You never know when you might need to get get this off my phone. (laughs) Okay. That's all we got. Peace out. Bye.